<coughs> oh. uh, the Hundred Marathon Club by Darren Smith. After race to the stones and a hundred kilometers and nineteen hours of fun, for want of a better term, spread across three counties, I felt spent, but physically fine. But a fortnight later at a punk music themed six hour lap race with a lovely Lisa Freeman and even lovelier James surname, where I wore a Ramones vest and red tartan dungarees, my right foot along the bottom and to the heel started hurting really badly. I limped my way to WebMD, put in the symptoms, and discovered to my sadness that it could only really be one thing. Plantofasciitis. I'd had PF before. Mild cases brought on by marathon training. Stretches fix that when combined with a few weeks of rest and some ibuprofen. Before too long, it simply disappeared. This time, it didn't simply disappear. And I did everything I could do to get rid of it in the three months between races. I started simple. The spiky ball rolled under the foot. That didn't do anything. Ibuprofen and ibuprofen gel just mask the problem. Ice-cold beer bottles straight from the freezer. That didn't do too much. The beer was good, though, so maybe the alcohol numbed it for a bit. It was okay to run on for a while, but then as my form went when I got tired, it was like a drawing pin was rammed into my shoe, spiking up into my heel. I am a big fan of K-taping, and often put on the PF taping configuration that covers the toes and goes around the heel and the ankle. Does it help? Does taping ever help? I tape my knees, knees from time to time to make myself feel better, even when I'm going to work, not even running. It's a bit of a safety blanket for me. My osteo, Monica, gave me the best advice. There's no quick fix for plantar fasciitis, she said. It will take months of exercising and heel drops and support and rest. But I had races planned and so needed something to be done about it quicker than that. So I sought help. I found myself at an osteopath on the south bank for kinesio laser, in quotes, or K-laser, also in quotes. This to me seemed like an expensive con, and that was pretty much what it was. The heel warmed by an osteo wearing laser-proof glasses akin to the new Willy Wonka, whilst the laser, which felt much more like a hand torch to me, beeped. Hokum and snake oil, that's what I thought. And so I stopped the treatment before it bankrupted me. So what next? Shockwave therapy? Yes. Did it hurt? A non-invasive, non-surgical treatment? No, it didn't hurt. It didn't do anything. Cortisone injections, right into the area, was advised by my doctor. My physio talked about dry needling, and I didn't like the sound of that at all. In the end, the only thing that helped was sleeping in Strasbourg socks, keeping my foot at right angles to my leg all night. And they did work, 
as did slowing my pace and learning to run again on zero-drop shoes. But not in time for the next race. If the old saying that time is the greatest healer is true, then for PF it goes double. So in this instance, it all came too late for me and my next race. But as May Rest famously said, you only live once, but if you do it right, once is enough. Of course, that does make you question why James Bond only lived twice. But I didn't have that luxury. So heel pain or not, I was heading to number six, the Beachy Head Marathon, 29th of September, 2016. Beachy Head is one of the UK's toughest marathons, in my opinion, joining Purbeck and Portland Coastal and Snowdon in a list that should come with a government health warning. The race crosses the Seven Sisters at Eastbourne at the end, not the beginning. The end of the race, when you're already beaten. And the race organisers recommend you add 40 to 50 minutes to your normal marathon time to get around. And I hadn't planned to run it in the first place. Such is the nature of an organic race calendar. You never know what you'll end up running by the end of the year. On this occasion, I'd planned to run around the lake in Lucerne, Switzerland, touted as the most beautiful marathon in Europe, having spoken to Laura about it in Berlin. But personal circumstances caused a last-minute switch to the authentic Athens Marathon in November, meaning the purse strings were tightened, two foreign trips were downsized to one, and instead I headed to a cheap and, cheap and cheerful race on the south coast. The marathon includes a near-vertical start, 300 steps, yes, you heard that right, 14 gates of various varieties, plus a whole load of hills, and it goes through Jevington, Ulfriston, Littlington, Friston Forest, the Shire, Hobbiton, Buckland, and across the Buckleberry River to Bree, before turning down the Cuckmere, pardon my French, valley, and up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down the Seven Sisters, including Burling Gap and Beachy Head itself. And I would be running with Gary and Joe and Jules, Lee, Marco, Anna and Jenny, to name but a few. Well, I say running, but thanks to my PF, I should say limping. After a day on my feet at Race to the Stones, I suffered. It took a fortnight to get back to running, and then a six-hour lap race in Kent, as I said, not an ideal comeback, finally broke me. After developing plantar fasciitis in my right heel, it would hurt if I put any sort of weight on it. Still, it did not stop me wanting to push myself here. Did I say push? I meant punish. I needed to up my game. Along with bailing on Lucerne and coming into this after choosing the Chester metric marathon rather than the full, so that just 26.2 kilometres and not miles, and very disappointed about my performances at King and Stones, a period of self-flagellation was deserved. It started well, the self-flagellation that is, not the race, after I needed Jenny to help me start my new and complex Suntu sports wash, watch, a replacement for the Garmin that had died at both trail races before, the marathon began, and the crowds slowly made their way up one hell of a hill start. When I finally made the top, 
I needed to walk. I felt like a loser, wheezing like I smoked 40 woodbines a day before finally letting my playlist lull me into a calmer state so I could run. And I ran. The plantar fasciitis was kept at bay for the time being by drugs. I then got caught up in a traffic jam of walkers. Despite them being told to wait until the runners have started before they clog up the route. And then I met up with Gary, who was injured and in the care of a paramedic. He had turned his ankle at mile three and couldn't go on. I stopped to see if he was okay, and he was resigned to his fate. So I wished him well and headed off, deciding to take it easy myself. I was starting to feel good. Rather than landing with my normal heel strike, I had shifted my weight onto the midfoot to avoid aggravating my condition, and I also slowed my pace. And this worked as the kilometres ticked over. Farmland greeted me after the first checkpoint in a dense fog that ruined the chance of seeing any of the stunning Sussex coast. Little country villages next and a welcome road before the greatest checkpoint of all time. Before the steps at mile 20, a long climb that took you as far as the flagstone wall, an ice cream van and a path all the way to the sea, were piles of sausage rolls and hot cross buns and tea and coffee and hot tomato soup. And all the while you were entertained by musicians. I enjoyed half the sausage roll and then the other half, and then a second sausage roll, and then a hot cross bun washed down with a cup of scalding tomato soup that burned the roof of my mouth and my tongue before I headed up an endless set of woodland steps, joined the queue of runners stuck at the chest-high wall before unceremoniously clambering over and running hard towards the sea where disaster inevitably struck. I was bouncing along, having posed for race photos on the flat, taking my eye off the ground ahead of me, I then landed on a huge chunk of stone with all my body weight right on the pain point of my right foot. The pain shot up my entire body to the top of my head and then beyond, and I yelped before slowing to a limp as I hit the first long, slow climb up the Seven Sisters. And this was where the best and the worst of the race came out for me. After a long, slow climb, we were out and finally on the coast, and it was stunning. However, I was now in pain, and this got to me. It was the up and down. I ran the downs as much as I could as soon as I felt gravity taking me, and then slowly limped my way up the inclines. It was a simple plan, and one that even I could stick to. But I wanted to manage my own expectations, and the Seven Sisters are not numbered. If they were, would it be east to west, or west to east? Regardless, should I have counted the first up? And I could see them undulating into the distance. And I focused on that as runners became walkers, and were joined by slow-moving Japanese tourists, too oblivious to move out the way. The sea to our right, chalk cliffs and brilliant sunshine, It was spectacular, but painful now with my foot throbbing with each accelerated heartbeat. I needed to to focus on just getting through at this point. My Suntu was still going, that was a bonus, 
buzzing at each kilometre to prompt me to run, even though I couldn't if I wanted to. And as I reached that final descent into Eastbourne, now a near vertical downhill, I could see the finish line. And I tried, zigzagging my way down to avoid landing too hard on my injured foot, cramping with both calves as I hit the flat, and finally crossed the line limping, moaning, and vowing that the next time I came back and ran the Beachy Head Marathon, I would do much better. Next up, the Authentic Athens Marathon.